0: Hey everybody, happy holidays, and welcome to another spectacular edition of Youth Radio. Tonight's show is going to be hot like fire!
1: Bye-ya.
0: I'm your co host, Jonathan Hill.
2: And I'm your other co host, Fat Phil with a PH.
0: This evening will consist of quentacular music hosts, John John Guzman and Jaren Kai. And from our very own Youth Radio Collective, Nicole Beatty will be conducting an interview with Mrs. Patsy kelton Bourne, Executive Director of Project SHARE.
2: You also have a very informative discussion with Democracy Now!'s Amy Goodman. Now, but now, to our Fergalicious Music co-host, John John Guzman.
3: Hey everybody, the first I'm going to play tonight is Right On by the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. I was trying to find some brass band music and picked up a CD and came up with the album What's Going On? which was dedicated to the victims of Hurricane Katrina by the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. So here we go. Hope you enjoy.
0: Youth Radio Collective, Nicole Beatty will be conducting an interview with Mrs. Patsy Kelton Bourne, Executive Director of Project SHARE, on involving the community with helping the homeless and working poor during and after the holidays.
4: Did you know that New Mexico is one of the top five food insecure states and that 40,000 people a week seek food pantries, soup kitchens, and other organizations that support the working poor and homeless. With, here with me today is Ms. Patsy Kiltborn. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, so Ms. Kiltborn, what is um, Project SHARE's mission?
5: Our mission is to feed the homeless and the working poor in an atmosphere that encourages growth and education and change. Um, You had mentioned um, the working poor. Mm -hmm. Can you um, explain what that is? The working poor are people who either have a job and don't make enough money to eat all month or they're looking for a job and they have food stamps, but the food stamps, you really get very little food stamps, and so you can't eat all month on it, especially not if you have a family. And so they come to Project Share in the afternoon between 12, 30, and 3, and receive an emergency food box. And um, a lot of the working poor come the last two weeks of the month to eat with the homeless and bring their families. That's very interesting.
4: Um, so I was curious, why did you join Project Share? Or how did you come to join Project Share?
5: Well, I decided that I wanted to work in a program that met the needs of New Mexicans on the lower economic level. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a nonprofit director for over 40 years, and I'm semi-retired, and I was particularly interested in this particular program. It's the only job I applied for. I wasn't really looking for a job. I just wanted to do this particular work, and it's been very rewarding. It's what I would call a beautiful program because everybody in Albuquerque works on it.
4: Mm Um, how can the community become more involved with helping the homeless um, during the holidays? And if not during the holidays, how can we, especially after the holidays, like help?
5: Well, we've had a lot of help this holiday season already. We had an adopt-a-family program for the working poor families yesterday, and about 80 to 100 people came to Project Share and got their Christmas gifts. And other people in Albuquerque who are more fortunate adopt families and buy their Christmas presents for them, and that was great fun. We had a Santa Claus and a puppet show and everything. And then um, and and each church or each civic organization that comes there to cook a meal has done a special meal every night. So it's been very special, Christmas cookies and all kinds of special things. Um, After the holidays, I think we really need to have canned food drives. Uh, It really saves us a lot of money not to have to buy everything from the food bank. I um, mean, we're glad they're there. They sell to us cheaper, but if people have the canned food drives and just deliver the food to us, then we can feed more people. Oh. and then we need blankets. We need blankets now. You do?
4: Yes. So, so you would say you would need like blankets, food, and like clothing
5: to help um, for we all have ages, a lot right? Of clothes right now. You do. Right now, we have a lot of clothes, and we only want winter clothes. Okay. And and so. Don't bring us your summer clothes in the middle of the winter.
4: <laughs> okay. Um, how can, oh, how has um, New Mexico poverty changed throughout the years and how has that affected Project Share?
5: Well, I think that there are more uh, people who are living on the edge uh, the last couple of years than before. I think the numbers of people who don't have enough money to eat is growing because things like the gas crisis for some of us. That was very inconvenient, but for other people it means they can't eat if they have to put gas in the car to try to go to work. And I actually have had people call me and say, well, we need a box of food, but we have no way to get there. And um, so that's one of the ways that they've been affected. So um, for the people who cannot get food boxes, do you have a way to deliver it to them? Only if a case manager calls and tells us they're ill because they can come on the bus we're on the bus line okay we're located at 1515 yale southeast and there's a bus by there every 20 minutes okay
4: that sounds very very interesting um so um we have talked about donating and food so um what are other things that um our community can donate to project share
5: uh, they can donate money. Uh, monetary donations make it possible for us to pay our new mortgage. We just acquired our building. Uh, the developers on Yale Boulevard wanted the land, and so we very quickly raised the money to make the down payment to make sure that the homeless and uh, the working poor have a place to go so they can send monetary donations. Um, A $5 donation feeds three people, a $200 net donation speeds of 148 people one meal $800 will feed 148 people for four meals so that's always helpful money's helpful right so money money is really good for
3: yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> really good for me <laughs>
5: um so uh another way is if they have talents uh, would be the mentor job training program so can you elaborate more on the your new mentor job um, training program? Mm-hmm. That started in October. And this is to, for anyone in the workforce that has at least 20 years of experience in any field, to be a friend or a mentor to one client for about a year and a year and a half and find out what that client's interests are, talents are, and get them into some sort of training program and help them get their income up.
4: So what type of mentors are you seeking?
5: It can be anyone who's been working for at least 20 years. I mean, they can be in any field because they don't have to do the training. They just help the client find the training, whether it's at TVI or the Department of Labor or one-to-one tutoring or through a corporation or any of that.
4: Okay. Um, So we have talked before on involving the youth. So what type of youth come and support Project SHARE?
5: Um, we have um, most of the high schools come and serve a meal there. Uh, Highland comes there. Del Norte comes there. Um, Albuquerque Academy comes, and they cook and serve a meal once a month. So any group, uh, doesn't even have to be a whole school, a group of 12 or 13 people can come and cook and serve a meal there, and they just call our volunteer coordinator and find out when they need someone.
4: That's very interesting, and um, we also have talked before about youth, like homeless youth or youth trying to find a place or without family, and do you know of any organizations that support them?
5: Yeah, if you have a friend or you know someone who needs help and they're on drugs, Amistad helps teenagers between the ages of 13 and 17, and that's a night shelter. Uh, There's the Albuquerque Christian Home. There's Hogaris through Children, Youth, and Families, and there's UNM CASA, and there's the Navajo Mission. So if they um, can't remember all those names, they can just call Project Share and we'll give them some information. Can you give the number to Project Share? 242-5677. And the reason why I wanted to
4: talk about um, the youth and their shelters, Mm -hmm. because I know that there are youth stuck in predicaments that they necessarily don't necessarily want to be in and so I just wanted to let them know that there are outlets out there to help um, support them and that they do not have to go through like like different places to find help that are not they're not the greatest situation and um, so can you talk more about project
5: share and people who work there um we always need volunteers and the people that work there come from, over 45 different organizations and schools and civic organizations. There's 350 volunteers a month, every month, at Project Share. It's a volunteer-driven organization. It was started by a restaurant owner 22 years ago when he found a homeless man eating out of his dumpster. Go ahead. And so uh, it's been there ever since. Um,
4: um, so... So, it was started by, like, a regular person who just wanted to help out other people and from, and so... It, a restaurant owner. restaurant owner. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, can you, um, do our, our churches also, like, people who volunteer yeah. and...
5: We have many, many churches that volunteer there, and the churches and individuals help us raise the money to buy our building in October, uh, when they found out that we needed to buy it, they, um... Uh, immediately step forward and help us do it. So um,
4: what what are your dates and times? Like, When are you open and when can you come help people and stuff like that?
5: Um, we're open from 1230 until 630. Um, 1230 to 3 are the food boxes, and those are given out Monday, Tuesday. We're closed on Wednesday, and Thursday and Friday they can get food boxes. We serve the hot meals six nights a week from uh five to six and there's no requirements for that all you have to be is hungry okay well thank you miss Keltenborn, for joining us
4: and i really really appreciate you coming on your own time and just coming to help us and to get the word out so i enjoyed
5: talking to you thank you for asking me you're welcome
2: Thank Mrs. Ket- Thanks, thank Mrs. Kelty- Kelton Kelton born for coming down to Youth Radio and informing our community about Project Share. Project Share is a nonprofit organization that feeds the working poor and homeless. On Mondays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, from twelve thirty p.m. to six p.m. and on Saturdays and Sundays from three p.m. to six p.m. For any more information, please call two four two five six seven seven or visit them visit them at fifteen fifteen Yale Boulevard Southeast. Again, the number to Project Share is two four two five six seven seven.
0: Now to Jaron,
6: our music host. Hey, I'm actually your music co host with John John Guzman, but it's Jaron Kai, as they've already told you. Here I have some really awesome music for you tonight first off i have a very awesome gay pop punk band from san francisco called ex-boyfriends then i have a very poppy band called gravy train and then i have a new song from the new release from nelly mckay's pretty little head but first off it's ex-boyfriends with it's not me it's you off their debut album dear john
3: Every single thing
7: will only bring another sad solution. Every single hurt will only curse another substitution. Everyone you meet secures a wretched seat within your memory. Wipe their filthy feet upon the yearning of your soul. There you are in me. No one ever loved me, not at school, and home was so sadistic,
6: was Nellie McKay off her finally released second album, Pretty Little Head, with There You Are and Me. And before that was another song by ex-boyfriends called Him For Me. Ha, pulled a fast one on you, didn't I? I'll play Gravy Chain sometime after the new year, but for now, I'm going to send it on off back to our
2: very awesome hosts. A few months ago, members of the Youth Radio Collective had the honor of meeting Amy Goodman, the host of Democracy Now! Youth Radio members talked about the impact of youth in journalism and some of the things that we can do to help make our reporting better. This segment is a complementation of some of the things that we, we that were discussed. The voices you will hear are those of Amy Goodman, her brother David Goodman, Democracy Now! producers Sharif Abdul-Kadus, and as well as Youth Radio members, Lucia Martinez, Kyle Ferris, Paula Castillo, and Diana Barron-Moore. Our first question was from Paula.
8: Do you personally think that youth actually have a voice in this
9: country? It's not just, well, can I do this? I'm young. I don't really have the experience. You've got something way over, way up on everyone else. Um, you've got the curiosity. You've got the desire to make the world a better place. You want to have an effect on the world. and. That's the power of community radio. Uh,
1: when the state of Vermont, where I live, was considering legalizing gay marriage, it was a hugely controversial issue. As you know, it's very emotional. They had, the heads of the legislature had closed the discussion to anyone from outside the Vermont. You were not allowed to speak if you came from outside the state. The most powerful thing I saw, I saw lots of testimony, was a hearing where the legislators were sitting there and youth the sons and daughters of gay and lesbian spoke you couldn't hear a pin drop because the wisdom of these kids lecturing these adults and they weren't lecturing but they were saying my parents I have you know I have two moms and I remember this boy saying this and he said and I'm a straight boy and I'm in high school and he said, I didn't have a problem until I came into this state house. What is your problem with my mom's? And my mom's love each other. And they don't want me to be gay or straight. They want me to be happy. And these guys were saying, what could they say? How could they answer people? these people, you? And then the next one came up. And it left them speechless. And these were politicians who have a lot, do a lot of speech making. And do you know that at the end of this process, it was a very, very close vote, nobody knew how it was going to go. Many, many conservative lawmakers voted to legalize gay marriage. And I think that for a lot of them, I think that they were not just shamed, but they were taught a lesson by these young people who didn't speak in political and polite terms. They just told their stories. They were just speaking, and they were saying how insecure it made them feel, how afraid it made them feel that they had two parents, but but one parent had no rights under the law.
9: That's also why I think young people are so important, why you are. I think you are ideally positioned, you have the sort of least stake in the system, Um, you're not entrenched yet, I think you're the most idealistic, you think things can change. And that idealism is essential throughout your life. The belief that if, and you also question authority and you say, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Um, I think it's important, all the qualities of youth to be an iconoclast, to say, why does this have to be this way? You know, when you're older, you say, it's just the way it is. Well, I hope you never do, and I hope this isn't, you know, an effective age. Um, No, why does this have to be the way it is? I hope you ask that when you're 108.
10: When I look back through past events, I see the same recurring themes over and over again, just with a different paint coating. I mean, you watch what happens in the beginning of Christianity. You have this message that you know, really makes a great deal of sense. And for a while, you know, it's followed pretty much the way it was preached. But then after a while, some politician gets it in his head, hey, this would be a good idea. Let's take this and let's mess with it completely. Now you get the type of organized religion these days that has committed such atrocities in the past as the Crusades. And then you think about America itself. I mean, we started out as this little oppressed colony. We were just trying to get away, and you know, the, the oppressor follows us. And then there's a rebellion, and again, for a time, it's fairly decent, but still, then we have slavery. And then we get rid of that, and for a time, it's all right. Then we have segregation, and then we get rid of that, and maybe for a time, it's all right. But now, in the place of things like segregation, we have the fact, I, the one time I went to Washington, D.C., I hated it completely. Because when I walked down a street, every labor worker that I saw, I didn't see any white labor workers. I didn't see any people who were doing the menial, quote unquote, menial jobs who weren't of color. And so we change things, and there are always the people working against injustices. Is there any great change that we can make? I mean, can can we make it so that things like the great atrocities, don't happen anymore is there as as human beings is it possible for us to sort of overcome that historical piece
9: first of all just the summary you gave is so powerful just what you just described you didn't just say can we make a difference you just went through history and which you're extremely informed And you went through the different examples of how things change, but then there continue to be problems. And I would just say, what's the alternative? You either go with the flow of injustice, or you say, I'm going to fight it. And you think of the remarkable people who have fought it. You think of Rosa Parks, who sat down on the bus. The act itself was very little. She just didn't get up. In fact, it wasn't doing something. She just didn't stand up is enormous and it was because so many people had done things in their little ways at that moment it made such an enormous difference and how many people that it empowered Um, you think of Mamie Till Mobley whose son was killed in the south Emmett Till a famous story in 1955 and she said open the casket so we can see his face and all the world will know and that was the beginning of the modern day civil rights movement and just in the headlines today, reading about immigrant workers organizing around LAX and hundreds of people being arrested around Los Angeles Airport, they have been working on this for a long time. People can't even, Congress couldn't even pass a minimum wage increase. And yet there are living wage campaigns all over the country that are not about $5 or $6 or $7, but about 14 and $15, and they're getting passed. You think about what's going on in Iraq, and you think about, Aaron Wattada, the lieutenant, the first officer to say no, I'm not going to go. And who he's inspiring all over this country. What's the alternative if you don't work to change things? Sure, there're going to be many forces that work against you. Um, but there are already there are so many wonderful movements and people who are working against that. I think of Isabel Allende who said for every murderer who shoots up our neighborhood, think of the thousands of compañeros who protect each other. That's what I think about. I think that the majority of people want us to live in peace, want us to see our neighbors as we see ourselves, as we see our family. They may not get the microphone very much, but that's the majority of people. And your job as a youth journalist is to get those voices out there, to fight the hate by just letting people have conversations. I really think that's a revolutionary act, just to talk to each other. What makes you afraid when you're doing radio, and what do you like about it?
8: (laughs) Well, when I first started Youth Radio, I was really nervous to be on the air because my confidence wasn't that high. It was like, I was barely 12 then. And I don't know, I just felt like that, I, I knew what I had to say was important, but I didn't really think that anybody else would think it was important. So I'm like, wait, why should I be saying this even I don't know. It was just a bunch of stupid stuff that, like, you build up when you're, like, in the early stages of your teenage, whatever life. Like, adults don't really care what you're saying, that you're just there to look nice or whatever the hell that is. But, like, over time, I really built up my confidence. Now I'm not afraid to be on the air. I really like being on the air. It's, like, my favorite job to be host and... I'm still I get nervous before I interview people, but I think that's always how it has to be. And I really like doing radio because my voice is out there and I know that other youth are being empowered by the fact that they know that there is a radio show in Albuquerque that have youth producing it and that we're sharing our feelings.
9: When you hear someone speaking from their own experience, it takes a theoretical issue And it does what community radio does best. It humanizes it. It's not abstract. If it's an Israeli grandmother or a Palestinian kid, if it's a Venezuelan uncle or a Lebanese mother, all of a sudden you go, oh, my God, that sounds like my sister. That sounds like my grandma. It doesn't matter where they're from. But if you say a Venezuelan grandmother, people are going to have all these stereotypes and caricatures of people. Um, if you say Dolna has lesbian parents, you go, oh, really? And then all of a sudden Dolna talks, she oh my God, she sounds like my best friend. That changes everything. As soon as a legislator can no longer say those gay people, but my next door neighbor, it'll change the world. How do you legislate against the guy you hang out with every Saturday, uh, who brings you the milk, the milkman, who, you know, how do you say, this guy is not going to have any rights? You can say it if you're going to categorize them. It's easy. Those are the wrong kind of people. But when you say, Paula's teacher, you know, if you're your mother and you say, Paula's teacher, I don't want her to have any kind of insurance. If she gets her... Um, if her partner gets hurt, I want her to have to give up her house and to live on the street. And that's what I feel about Paola's teacher. Never would they say, but they could say um, the lesbian teacher should have no rights. So our power is in just letting people speak for themselves, and that will change the world.
1: And you dignify What has happened to somebody when you go to get their story? Because mostly what people feel, especially in bad situations, is that they're worthless, they're powerless, and nobody cares. And by you showing up, you show them that they're important, their story is unique, and they can make their life better. I mean, it's a huge thing for you to show up and ask even another kid, you know, Uh, So that's, I think, something that can give us a lot of hope. It's not only, Amy talked about the level at which information helps people, but even on that personal level, I find, you dignify people's stories, and that's a great gift that we can bring to people.
9: I can't stress enough how much you have to trust yourself. If you find something interesting, we all will. Trust that, and it takes you having self confidence. Like, you think, Well, that person just told this silly story, but I I just like brought tears to my eyes. Then it's going to bring tears to my eyes. You are like so many people, listeners, and viewers out there. Trust yourself and never be afraid to ask a question. Like, don't think, Oh, if I say, What does that mean? People are going to think, If you have the question, probably a lot of people have the question and you're affirming other people who are out there who'd be terrified to come in and do a show and they think oh I had that question too I I can't believe she just asked it and I could be on the radio too and it just says like what did you say your name was because I forgot it too um have faith in yourself and you being there you're speaking for many thousands of people you're giving with your own confidence you're giving lots of people confidence
0: and the trick is uh, what I learned a lot from Amy from listening to her do it is to pre interview people. And uh, this is very important. Unless you know the person, you, it's absolutely essential. And when I was first starting out, you really have to just interview them. You know, go through every question, take notes, see are they articulate, do they have content. Some people have very, they're amazing writers. And they have amazing content, but they just can't deliver it that well. Um, so, you know, I tell Amy, if that's the case, then you need to coax it, coax it out of him, and slowly you'll get out. And
6: so, those sorts of things to think about. But
9: um, and that issue of uh, pre-interviewing, I find a lot people who are not normally interviewed. It's not easy to talk in eight or twelve-second sound bites, or we're not asking for that. But to express yourself in a minute, it's not a natural form. <laughs> Um, if, by the way, they come in, I always say, if I see someone's nervous, think we're sitting around the kitchen table having coffee and you're talking. I mean, it, okay, so a million people are eavesdropping on the conversation, but we don't add that part when they're very nervous. Just relax. I mean, it really is just a conversation, even if it will be a heated conversation. It's a conversation with, you know, your uncle that you disagree with or something. Um, but you're when you have people when you pre-interview people you're giving them the experience to really express themselves and you can help you can guide it uh, no matter what their position is um, you can also I mean if we're trying to hone in on things you could say well that's you know if you want to focus on that part of what you're saying can you say it to me again uh, what it is and the pre-interview just gets them used to talking because look at who you watch on television they've had so much experience doing this and. Our job in community media is we have so many different responsibilities. One is to, I mean, just inviting someone into a TV studio and where they've never been before, I see it as reclaiming the media uh, and giving them a chance to speak. I mean, putting a mic to someone really gives them dignity. Also remember, when you're interviewing someone, mic yourself. I often find that when someone's interviewing, uh, they'll go like this and I'll ask you a question, and then I ask you a question still, and you're not micing yourself. You never know when you want to mic use the back and forth, but also, in the same way you're giving them dignity, you're giving yourself respect when you go like this. You have an important question to ask. If you have that question, probably other people have that question too. So our power is in just letting people speak for themselves, and that will change the world, and that will change the world, and that will change the world.
0: That was the discussion between Youth Radio Collective members Diana Barron-Moore, Paola Castillo, Kyle Ferris, and Lucia Martinez, and Democracy Now! hosts Amy Goodman, her brother David Goodman, And Democracy Now! producer, Sharif abdul Kaduz.
2: Now back to the person who brought Sexy back, started the Fergalicious movement, and brought my London Bridges down when he walked by, is John John Guzman. Yes, it's
3: true, we have some more off-the-hook music coming up. First song I'm going to play, or well, I guess the second song tonight, but the first song in this set is Weekend in L.A. by the Toasters. This will be the 26th year the Toasters have been playing together. They are the longest-running U.S. ska band. uh, I'm also going to play Christine Keeler by the Scatolites from their greatest hits album, Ska Foundation. The Scatolites were one of the first ska bands and are known as the Fathers of Ska and the Grandfathers of Reggae. Hope you enjoy. And here we go with our fabulous calendar hosts, Kyle and Anne.
10: And now it's time for the calendar with me, Kyle Ferris.
3: And
7: me, Anne Nguyen. So what's going on this week, Kyle?
10: We know that there are many of you in our listening audience who are seniors in high school getting ready to go on to college. For your assistance in figuring out how to pay your way through your university of choice, we have information on a number of scholarships and programs. The Mexican-American National Association of Women is offering a scholarship for Hispanic women in New Mexico. The scholarship can be used to cover educational costs of any kind. Applications can be submitted to Evangeline Trujillo by email at estrujillo at yahoo.com. Again, that's estrujillo at yahoo.com. Applications will be due in by January 12, 2007. Winners will be selected at the Brindis a la Mujer banquet on February 13, 2007.
7: Applications are being accepted for the William Randolph Hearst Endowed Fellowship. This fellowship offers grants for students interested in the humanities and social sciences. The applicants must be able to come to Washington, D.C. for 10 to 15 weeks of internship work. You can fill out an application or find out more about the grant by going to fconline.foundationcenter.org. Again, it's fconline.foundationcenter.org.
10: The Gates Millennium Scholarship is offered to students of African American, Native American, Asian Pacific Islander, and Hispanic American descent who are planning on attending college in the fall 2007 semester. The scholarship pays for all educational and living expenses while in college. To apply for this scholarship, go to www.gmsp.org. Again, that's www.gmsp.org.
7: The Albuquerque Human Rights Office is currently accepting applications for the new ISPIN scholarship. This $1,000 scholarship is offered to students currently enrolled or enrolling in a college or university and has background in human rights and human dignity work. To find out more, you can call 924-3380 and you can call 924-3380.
10: The University of the District of Columbia is currently offering free tuition, free books, and a $250 stipend and a guaranteed job at Providence Hospital after graduation from a three-year nursing program. To find out more, you can contact 202-266-5481. Again, that number is 202-266-5481.
7: And now, for some events going on in the community, the Desert Rose Playhouse is looking for musicians, musical directors, and vocalists for upcoming musical productions. For more info, you can email desertroseabq at yahoo.com or call 850-6575. Again, you can email desertroseabq at yahoo.com or call 850-6575.
10: The 13th Annual Sobriety powwow is at the Bernalillo High School Gymnasium on December 30th and the 31st. This community event honors people who are choosing to live a sober life. All drummers, gourd dancers, and other dancers who wish to compete for cash prize money are invited to send an email to navachip at Again, that email is navachip at On
7: Friday, December 22nd, and Saturday, the 23rd, The Nutcracker Ballet will be playing at the Chemo Theater. You'll see an enchanted world where life-size mice battle toy soldiers, snowflakes dance, and delicate sweets entertain. You can see www.btnm.org to find out more. Again, it's www.btnm.org.
10: And that wraps it up for the Youth Radio Weekly Calendar this week. Thanks for listening. I'm your calendar host, Kyle Ferris.
7: And I'm Anwen. Now back to our
0: host. Before we leave, let's take the time out to recognize all the gorgeous people who made tonight's show possible.
2: Our thrilling producer this evening was Michael Harley.
0: Tonight's spicy engineer is Miles Anderson.
2: Jaren Kye and Fergulish's John John Guzman were this evening's Far Out Music co-hosts.
0: Our calendar was done by Kyle Ferris and Ann Newen, And we're your gregarious hosts, Phil Riley and John Glenn Hill.
2: Other Rad Youth Radio participants are Paula Castillo, D- Diane Barron-Moore, Mar- Mariah Gonzalez, and Lucia Martinez.
0: Our adult co-conspirators are Marcos Martinez, Roman Garcia, Elizabeth Dwyer, Chris Pino, and Roberta Riel. Also, a special adieu to Stephen Emmons, who, who will no longer be gracing us with his presence. I'm Jacqueline Hill.
2: And I'm Phil Riley. You've been tuned in to Youth Radio. Good night and good luck. Up next, spoken word.